Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Jahan Cox teaches on remaining the bride. So dudes, we have a lot of wedding dresses up here. Does that make you feel weird? <laughs> I was like, God, what, really the men are going to walk in and be like, uh-huh, see you later, I'll see you at lunch. I'm, this is clearly a service for women. Or some of you husbands, I hope, walked in and recognized your actual bride's dress on the stage. If you did not, major, major points lost for you today. But we had an encounter with Jesus, so they're going to forgive you if you did not recognize their dress this morning. I hope that the atmosphere this creates is one of excitement. I hope it takes you back. I hope it reminds you of a day when you were frantic and giddy and excited. Or maybe... You haven't had your own wedding, but you've attended a wedding. How many in the room have at least attended a wedding? Right? I mean, good Lord, if you haven't, we've got one in June, Anna, uh, July, August. I really want to move this up for you. (laughs) Jessica's in June. Yes. Yes, she is, God said. Come on, somebody. (laughs) He's like, and it's not here yet. I think it was you that told me he was like, courthouse is good with me. Like, I'm really legit to go to the court. Yeah. I mean, we can make this happen. Which one of these jokers fits you? How do you feel about this? (laughs) Oh, anyways. It creates a certain emotion, doesn't it? When you see the wedding dresses up here. Little girls at three and four and five come in and twirl in a dress to be noticed by their dad, to be noticed by someone in the room. When they're old enough and they've been to a wedding, they spend their days creating it. Nisi actually, I'm pretty sure, has a Pinterest board of all the things that she's interested in. I've not seen it. I'm just pretty sure there's one there. And I think Eva has discovered Pinterest, not thrilled about that, but I'm sure she's probably already started tagging some things. And it's okay, because we were hardwired as women to be romanced. We were hardwired to be the bride, right? We dream of the day we get to go shop for the dress and hold the sign. I said yes to the dress. I didn't hold that sign. That wasn't the thing then. I I don't really know. I mean, I was excited when I got the dress, but I don't remember the whole sign and the whole... Anyhow, we didn't do that then, did we? I would be interested to know what y'all, I mean, you just went and bought a dress, didn't you? That's what I did. I just went and bought a dress. Anyways, little boys do not dream of growing up to be the bride. Right? I don't, I don't know what the feedback back there was, but I don't want to know. Probably it'll distract me. So, dudes, I have an invitation for you this morning, and it's not to be the bride. It's not to be the bride. It's to be, number one, the groom. I talked to your wives this week about not leaving bride to be wife. Jesus in Scripture, when he talks about coming back to get us, 
He never addresses us as his wife. He addresses us as his bride. And there is a shift in the heart of a woman as she is preparing to be a bride compared to when she transitions to wife. There, there is a shift. And while I do think the role of wife is important and necessary, obviously, you don't just get to honeymoon for the rest of your life. But I think in the spirit and the way our mindset is toward marriage should stay in a context of bride. I get to, I want to, I choose you, I'm excited to, I have counted down the days for this. It's my highest honor to lay down my life for you. So men, you don't dream of that, but you do, I hope, I do believe in the heart of every man is the longing to be a groom. The problem we make as men, I'm not a man, but I read a really good book, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean on that, right? <laughs> I am not a man. But I did read this book in like four days, and when I went to read the woman's book, I was like, uh, it made me angry. I was in a different place then. I should probably revisit it. I probably ne needed some healing. <laughs> That's a good sign you need healing. When somebody says something or you read something, and you're like, ugh. That's a good sign you need healing. I read two pages and was like, oh, this is stupid, and closed it and put it down. <laughs> probably need to pick that back up. But it's called Wild at Heart. If you're a man in the room and you haven't read it, you need to read it. Yeah. Any men in the room read it? Yeah. Can you give a shout out if it was life-giving to you? I remember Michael reading the book for the first time. It's by a man named John Eldridge. I remember it was when we were first planting the church, and he came out of the bedroom weeping. And I was like, what's wrong? Everything okay? And he was like, this book, this book. And I was like, what? Is, I mean, is it good? Is it bad? What's the deal? And he was like, I'm a man. And I was like, Glad to know. I, I thought we both knew that already. <laughs> he was like, no, no, I'm a man. And I was like, I'm going to need a little more context because, again, I thought this was ground we'd covered. And he said, this, this book it, it lets me know why, why I do what I do, and it, I'm wired this way on purpose, and, and I'm proud of this, and I'm going to own this, and, and I think you need to read this book so you can understand it too. I don't know. I have to make the face to do the thing, and you don't even sound like that. Just let me go. Let me roll with it. And so this is my weeping Michael face. I don't understand that. I don't, I don't really know how to do a weeping. I don't know how to do a weeping Michael face. I can do a British accent, but I can't do a weeping Michael. Anyway, so Michael's weeping, and he's saying, oh, my gosh, this book has given me so much understanding about the nature of God in, in man and what that looks like. And I was thinking, well, I mean, if it helped you understand you, it would probably help me understand you, which is something I will take. So I read it in four days. I couldn't put it down. And one of the things it talks about is men are hardwired to want to go on an adventure. The deal is, that's why you test your strength. That's why you'll jump out of an airplane and you'll do kamikaze somersaults and you'll do the crazy wild stuff. That's why you like cowboys and Indians. That's why it's, that's, it's in you to do that, okay? It looks different across the board. I'm not trying to stereotypical, stereotype, 
you in, box you in. But the deal is there's a, there's a sense of adventure inside of the heart of man. And the mistake that we make as men, especially in our culture, is to make the woman the adventure. She's not the adventure. She actually wants to go on the adventure with you. But if she becomes your adventure, the two of you get bored really fast. Really, really fast. But if she understands that you're on an adventure with father and you're in groom, and she is bride, then there is, there is an opportunity, an invitation to stay in honeymoon. We're discovering places together. We're discovering territory together. We are winning together. We're raising children together. We're dreaming together. We are advancing the kingdom together. We are joining our lives together, but you're not my adventure, and I'm not yours. He is. So there is a hardwiring in the heart of men to be a groom. You long to be a safe place for somebody. You long to be a secure place. You long to protect and provide. It makes you come alive as a man to know, I did that. I built that for you. I fixed that for you. I bought that for you. You see it in the courting relationship, right? Men, women aren't going around buying stuff for the dudes. That's not how that works. If that's how it worked for you, I'm so sorry. Let's do counseling and real way, Ryan, so I can get you some stuff, okay? It's not, women do not purchase flowers for men, Right? I mean, you know, maybe if God tells you to do something weird one day about it, and that's fine. But I'm just saying, typically, we are the wooed ones, right? We're the ones being pursued. Why? Because we want to be pursued, and he wants to pursue. But what we cannot do is switch from bride and groom to husband and wife and forget bride and groom. Because then we stop pursuing We stop pursuing, I've got her, nailed it, landed, adventure, done. Let's just coast this thing out. Who wants to sign up for that? Not I, said the fly, not interested. I told Michael, if he ever gets lazy or boring, I'm I'm gone, see ya. (laughs) He was like, really? I was like, no, seriously. Like, but that, we've never had that problem. He keeps me on my toes. Men... Transition to, I've got her, we're done. And women transition to, I've been gotten, he's seen all there is to see. Now let's go do all the to-dos. Men, let's go to work. Let's do all the to-dos. But there is an invitation that I don't believe exists outside of coming into the presence of God and being reminded who you are as a son and a daughter that reminds you why you started this adventure in the first place to stay bride and groom. Can you remember what it was like to stand at the end of the altar and wait? Knowing someone you'd prayed for for years and believed God would send you an answer 
to someone to be a lifelong companion, someone that would say, yes, I'll give my life to you. Do you remember what it was to stand and wait? And for her to slip into one of these and to prepare herself to walk down to you. She doesn't want to walk down to someone who's forgotten how beautiful she is. Who will take her for granted. She wants to be seen like that every day. And if you see her like that every day, she'll walk to you like that every day. So there's an invitation for you to be a groom. And there's an invitation, this is going to weird you out, for you to be the best man. Hold on. How are we going to do that together? Let's transition to your relationship with Jesus. If your relationship and your parallel with Jesus, you're not the groom. He is. Let's look at John chapter 3, verse 27 through 30. Oh, praise. Is that going to be up there or I got to look here? Praise the Lord. John answered them. Oh, wait, let me give you a little background, a little context. Um, I, I believe context is important. John is baptizing. He's been baptizing. He's preparing the way for the Messiah. That's his assignment. He's the voice that cries out. And at this point, Jesus has begun to baptize and he has disciples and John has disciples. Okay. And John's fame had increased but here comes Jesus and Jesus's notoriety and fame has increased and so there's this conversation in the verses prior to this between John's disciples and not Jesus's disciples but Pharisees and they're asking almost in a mocking way like what's the deal this guy's baptizing more people than your guy is and so John's Disciples come to him and they're like, do you know that man that you claim is the one is actually baptizing more people than you? And John's like, uh-huh, that's the plan. That's actually the plan. It's going exactly how we need it to. So he says, John answered them, a person cannot receive even one thing unless God bestows it. You heard me tell you before, I am not the Messiah. But certainly I am the messenger sent ahead of him. He is the bridegroom and the bride belongs to him. I am the friend of the bridegroom who stands nearby and listens with great joy to the bridegroom's voice. And because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. Verse 30. So it's necessary for him to increase and me to decrease. When you go to a wedding, two things happen. You either are enamored with the bride, you want to see the bride. How many of you are, I just want to go see your dress. I mean, seriously. I have had so many conversations with women like, I don't really know these people, but I'm a friend of the friend. I love weddings. I just want to go see your dress. Okay, just me? Okay. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I love weddings. I love it. Now, I went to one wedding where the dudes pulled out literally two or three pages for their vows, and I was like, no. 
No, first of all, they're going. All that's going out the window in about three seconds, and I, it's too hot for us to stand out here and listen to you read your three pages. Y'all do that later, like five lines or less. That's about all you're gonna be able to manage. <laughs> Anyways, most weddings, I love to go, and and it's just a thrill. You cry, you know. You're watching these two. You know what they're getting into. You know, you're just like, oh, they're gonna lay their lives down. They're gonna they're gonna have sex tonight. Oh, this is so exciting. You know, you're just. Just me? Okay, just me again. Okay. So, you know, if you, if you go with your spouse, you're like, oh, let's go dance. You know, did you remember our first dance? Oh. You know, you do all that. You reminisce. Maybe that's why I like to go to weddings. But either you're enamored with the bride, everyone stands at attention, and what do they do? They pivot, and they watch the bride, right? Or... The smarter people in the room watch the groom. Oh, yeah. Because we want to see the man weep like a baby. We want to see him be like, oh, my God. This is another man crying face. I've never actually seen that happen, where they drop to their knees, but I think that would be awesome. Some of you young men, you have the chance. Rise up. Rise up and fall down. Hallelujah. (laughs) But seriously, the smart women and men look at the groom, because there is nothing like watching the face of a groom when his bride comes down. Nothing. Nothing like it. I don't know if we know this or not in church, but the end of this story that we're in ends with a wedding. It ends with a wedding. This whole parallel is us, the bride, and he is the groom. And if we experience that measure of emotion with a natural covenant in the natural realm, what in the world are we going to do with a heavenly wedding, with the king of kings at the end of the aisle waiting on you and I to come into a forever amen, a forever so be it, from eternity to eternity to eternity. Oh my goodness, I can't wrap my brain around it. But men, you aren't the groom in your parallel. You're the best man. What do best men do? The best man, according to Google, and Google knows everything, the best man is the chief assistant to the groom at the wedding. Did you know that? If you get a good one, if you get a loser, that's your fault. If you get a loser, that is on you, okay? But the best man, ideally, is your homeboy that you grew up with, that will finish doing what needs to be done till 2 a.m. the night before you get married and help you go get your tux and do all the things, right? He's your little cheap assistant all day long. Men, you have an opportunity to assist the bridegroom of Jesus for his wedding. What does that look like? It looks like the groom tells you secrets. You see that one? 
I've been waiting on that one a long time. Let me show you what I see about that. The bridegroom tells the best man's secrets. They're best friends. The invitation for you men is to be the best friend, the best man. In some culture, it's called the man of honor to the bridegroom. When we leave the wedding, no one's talking about the best man, right? There's no celebration of the best man. They're talking about the bride. They're talking about the look on the groom's face. They may talk about the decorations. They may talk about the dresses, how much they hate them or love them. But they're not talking about the best man. But the bridegroom is. The best man also acts as a confidant. And he also, I didn't know this, uh, we missed out on some serious workloads from our best men and bridesmaid people. But anyways, yes, praise the Lord. They are actually, um, can also be in charge of the ushers. Did you know that? Do you know what ushers do? Ushers seat people. No one's talking about the ushers either when they're, (laughs) these poor ushers. The ushers and the groomsmen, nobody's talking about them. But the best man oversees the ushers, and the ushers are the ones that come in and assign people a seat. So again, I'm the best man. I've got access. I'm the confidant of the bridegroom, and he leaves me in charge of helping people find a seat. You see that parallel, that opportunity in the spirit. He trusts me enough to seat people, to see people, to bring them in. To welcome them in. The best man also is a legal witness to the ceremony. He's a legal witness to the ceremony. Yes, I saw it. I was there. I helped him plan it. I've been walking with this man for years. And I'm going to be right by his side when the day comes. Lastly, he prepares a speech at the reception. Most of the time, it's not anything to write home about, (laughs) right? But I think in the spirit, we have an opportunity as best men to communicate about growing up with the bridegroom in a way that leaves everyone in the room feeling like they know him, like you know him. Your life is a testimony of your relationship with the bridegroom. I mean, I'm really excited about being the bride. But if I was not going to be the bride, that's, that's the position I would choose. The one to stand next to the groom. The one he leans on, the one he calls on in the middle of the night. The one he says, I need agreement on this. In the natural, me and wife, we're having some issues. Can you, will you pray with me? That's, I hope, I I tell my kids all the time, we had like nine, uh, what do you call those, bridesmaids and groomsmen. That's terrible. I I talked to maybe one of them. (laughs) Please choose wisely. (laughs) Please choose wisely. Don't pick the people that you just got to know and that are super cool, Okay. 
because they're not gonna be around. I wish I could say these three ladies that like I, I grew up with and I, I walked with and they knew me, those were the ones by my side. One of those is true and she actually goes here. But I don't even I have I don't even know if they have kids or what their name are. That's really not how it's supposed to be, I don't think, in the heart of God. So we get to be the ones brides brides get to stay brides, right? We talked about staying brides all weekend long. Okay, and I don't want you to leave bride, but at some point you are going to have an opportunity to be a bridesmaid. Does that make sense? Even if you've been a bride, someone's going to ask you to be a bridesmaid. And so we also get an opportunity to serve the bride. We had bridesmaids this weekend, right? I had four ladies that (laughs) we worked like dogs. (laughs) One of them last night at the end of service said, do we have to clean all this up tonight? I said, welcome to being a bridesmaid. (laughs) She goes, ew. (laughs) I was like, this is what being a bridesmaid is. It's like, it's not just hangout time. It's not you get to wear a cool dress. Like, you work the whole wedding. You are, you're there early. If they run out of onions at the reception, you're the one going to the store. Like, you are, you are the workforce, right? And while we get to stay the bride and you get to stay the groom, you also get to be best man and we also get to be maid of honor, bridesmaid. We get to serve the bride. It's a beautiful invitation. And as real as that is in the spirit, it's so, so real in the natural. I wish I could just scream it and like tag it on every house. Stay bride and groom this year. May this year be the year of bride and groom. Wife and husband's different, right? I think you can do both at the same time. Okay, men, it's time for you to get to do something weird. Um, Nolan, or who's on keys? Somebody come love on these keys. I had the ladies do all sorts of fun things this weekend. We attended the longest wedding ever <laughs> last night. <laughs> Almost left a bad taste in our mouth for weddings. Like, never mind. Never mind. Someone was like, I, I was just going to go walk down, stand at the aisle. I'm done. I mean, I did it. And there's people standing up there half the song. I mean, I feel pressure to stay for a long time. <laughs> I said, no, you do you. Please, if you don't want to stay, don't stay. There's 42 other women that have to walk down the aisle tonight. (laughs) Some of you took your time, and I'm very thankful for you. (laughs) Some of you walked down to no music. It was a stressful wedding. It was a stressful (laughs) wedding. But we laughed, and Jesus was at the end of the aisle. And it was fine. We also ran out of asparagus at the reception. 
the bridesmaids got real heavy on the asparagus on the front guest. And so the half, the last half of the guests, you didn't get any. And it's okay. It's okay. The, the marriage supper of the lamb will not look like that. They're not going to run out. The music is going to be good. And it won't matter if you stay at the end of the aisle forever. I don't know how he's going to share his time with all of us, but he's probably got that figured out. Ladies, I think um, you have done all the weird things I, I want you to do, except if you did not attend and you want to just renew in your heart and mind the position of I, will, I choose bride. Bride's different than servant. Bride's different than daughter. Bride's different than friend. So ladies, some of you do servant really, really well. Some of you do daughter. You're coming into daughter really well, but bride is different. And if you want to respond to the invitation to be bride this morning, it may feel weird and goofy, but I just, I want you to get up out of your seat and I just, I want you to take your time walking down and I want you to walk to him, not to me. I'm not going to pray for you. I want you to walk to him and just, I'm here to say yes to being your bride. And men in the room, I don't want you to walk down an aisle because not on any occasion do you walk down an aisle. Thank you, Lord. That would be weird. You don't have a pretty dress to walk down the aisle with. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for suits and tuxes. Woo! And belts and suspenders. Thank you. But men, if you want to respond to the call today twofold, to be groom, to your bride, I want you to come down. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to wake that back up in you. And to give grace for you to walk that out all your days. To be as excited for the next 80 years as the day you were when she walked down. About spending your life and laying your life down. That's what Ephesians says your job is as the groom. You wash her and present her to yourself. If you don't like how she looks, that's on you. Wash her better the next time. Wash her with the word. And if you want to renew your, or maybe for the first time, respond to a covenant to be the best man to the bridegroom, to be the one he tells secrets to, to be the one who gets up and screams with your life, I know him. I know him. I know his voice. I know what it's like to walk with him, to take rides with him, to go on adventures with him. I know this man. And believe me, you want to walk down the aisle to this man. I want you to just come, and this is about you and him. This is about you saying to him, I want to be your best man. I want to be the one you share your heart with, your trusted confidant. And we're just going to play, and you're going to pray, and this is entirely between you and him. And we're going to give you space to do that. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.